Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. This story is found in, I think, three of the four Gospels and alluded to in all four of them. The story of that first Palm Sunday. So here the words from Matthew about what was happening at the beginning of that first Holy Week. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them. And he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Of all the things that Jesus needed, I mean, of all the things that he could have needed, he said he needed a donkey. Now, what in tarnation would the Lord need with a donkey? We don't have any story before of him riding such a beast. We don't have him talking about such an animal. We have no previous association with this request until Palm Sunday, the day that begins Holy Week. So what in the world could Jesus want with a donkey? And why a donkey? Of all the creatures that God made, why not a camel or something more, you know, stately? Why a donkey? This story in Matthew depicts kind of a dichotomy in the text from the Greek, because you heard it as Matthew's writing, the, writing these words, there's two animals he's talking about. There probably was one. It's pretty hard to ride two animals at the same time. It probably means it was a young donkey. But still, why a donkey? Matthew alludes to that, too, because he refers back to the Old Testament prophecy that said the Messiah would come into the city 
in humility. Not on a white horse like the Lone Ranger saving the day. Not on a camel like the wise men coming to worship the king as a baby. But on a donkey. I'm kind of struck by the conversation that Jesus had with these two disciples. And we don't know who they are, do we? It doesn't say their names. It could have been any two of the twelve. We don't know who they were. But I don't know about you. I find this conversation a a little bit funny and humorous. Jesus says, Go into the city of Bethpage, and there you will find this donkey. Get it for me. Untie it. And get it for me. And by the way, if anybody asks, what in the world are you doing? Just say, the Lord has need of it. So in our modern day, let's say I go and talk to somebody here. I go to Rick and say, Rick, there's this red car out in the parking lot. It's a brand new red car, and I need it. So you go and get it. And if if Paul says, what are you doing? Just say, somebody needs it. Think it'll work? I don't know. I think there'd be some consternation. The picture that we have here shows the donkey and a conversation that's happening, and it might not have been an uncalm conversation. I think Paul get a little upset if we asked for his car right away. So what, why a donkey? Well, the donkey was a symbol of humility. Only the average person rode a donkey. It wasn't the kings and the important people and the Pharisees. It was the common, lowly people. And Jesus didn't come in riding in a Cadillac. He came in riding on a donkey. That's why the Lord needed it. As he came into the city, there was this crowd... And they began to put palm branches down on the ground before him. It's kind of an iconic or ironic thing that here was this person riding into town on a lowly donkey, and yet the crowd treats him like a king, paving the road for him, putting out the red carpet, so to speak, by not only putting palms on the ground before where he rode, but also their cloaks, their outer garments as well. So he came in riding on a humble donkey, and yet he was still seen as a king of kings. Let's talk for a minute about this crowd. Oh, I went the wrong way. I'm sorry. I'm ahead of myself a little bit. We have had a donkey here in church for I don't know how long. And today's the first year that we didn't have element here to do the walk around at the beginning with the palms. Those of you watching this, aren't you glad we had the palms? Dave Lance made sure that we found that video. He found that video. And uh, it's part of our tradition. I have to confess, I did not know that hymn until I got to Stroudsburg. I had never heard it before. But I found out this week that one of my colleagues, who I did live with in Philadelphia for about a year and a half, he sang that song in his church back in Philadelphia, and I don't remember that at all. So apparently it was in there somewhere, but I don't remember that. So for many years, we've had a donkey here on Palm Sunday. It's been a great hit for the kids and the grown-ups alike. 
And I have to tell you, I'll never forget that first night over in the lounge, Tuesday night with the trustees. I think it was a couple people you might know, Howard Carlton and Scott Sebring's dad, George, a couple others, I think Brian Hill might have been there maybe. And when I brought up the idea, the thought of having a donkey for Palm Sunday, they all looked at me with this quizzical look, and then they somebody said, you mean in the church? Really? So we talked about it, and I, you know me, I said, what's the worst that could happen? It's funny, the other day somebody asked me, did any of the donkeys, we've had three over the years, we started out with Frosty, then we had Noah for a short time, now we've had Bellament for a long time, did any of the three donkeys ever make a mistake? Or leave a, leave a surprise? And I said, you know, no. Only one time, I think with Frosty in the second year, back then we had donkey practice on a weekday before Palm Sunday. And so we had Frosty here for donkey practice the second year he was here. And lo and behold, right out past that little ramp going out there, he left the gift at the altar. And Patsy Schaefer and others helped to clean up the mess. It wasn't that big of a mess. But for me, at least, it wasn't that big of a mess. And it wasn't that bad. But I can still recall those men over in the lounge saying, in the church? And now we've done it all these years ever since. What a great tradition. So we have this image of velament that was taken a few years ago on a donkey practice day, actually. And uh, we, we miss her today. We miss all of you today that can't be here. It's a lot, of, a lot of sadness today for what's going on in our world. But this tradition has been great for our church, and I think it's been a good thing. I know even people, um, friends and family members of mine, look forward to this day. For us when we have the donkey here. Let's talk for a minute about this crowd. This crowd that gathered as Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem was kind of a fickle crowd. I mean, you heard me say that when he came in at first, they were putting down the palms and they took off their outer garments and put them down, and he came in as a king. There were a lot of people there. And they were wondering what was going to happen. He had said a few things to his disciples, and others had heard, and they all heard the Pharisees talking about this man, this prophet, supposedly. Was he the Messiah or not? Was he God's son? Was he who he said he was or not? And at first, this crowd was excited. They were fired up. They were celebrating They were praising God because it looked to them, at least that day, as if he was the promised Messiah. And so they all began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. We've heard that in song today. Hosanna, Hosanna. It was a celebration. But as all people and all crowds can and do, things changed in a hurry. Even in Matthew's story of this Palm Sunday triumphal entry account, you heard a little bit of a change in verse 10. 
Right after, by the way, the hosannas are being spoken and shouted, that's when things turn in Matthew's gospel, when it says this. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil. Now, that's an interesting word, isn't it? If I'm in a crowd that's exciting and cheering for a sports team or for a concert or a play on Broadway, I'm not in turmoil, am I? Uh, unless my team is losing, maybe. But if we're celebrating some big event, why would you use the word turmoil? What is Matthew talking about here? Because everything leading up to this particular verse in this chapter is all happy-go-lucky excitement. Nothing negative whatsoever. So what could Matthew be alluding to when he said the whole, cra- the whole crowd, not just one or two, but the whole crowd was in turmoil? Let's take a little break for a minute. And can we say, aren't we in turmoil today? Somebody wrote in the Old Testament, there's nothing new under the sun. Things repeat themselves and feelings and emotions and situations of people and crowds repeat. And and turmoil is not a good place to be. This crowd was turning from jubilation to something else. And it wasn't good. In fact, the same crowd that shouted Hosanna on Sunday would shout, crucify him, crucify him on Friday. As a pastor, all the years I've been in ministry, one of my major concerns about Holy Week, I stated in my prayer, I say it probably every year, and I mean it. My biggest concern about Holy Week, and now it's even more pronounced because of our lockdown in this state, my biggest concern is that we as Christian believers will celebrate the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, all the joy of it, not the turmoil, but all the joy of it, and then skip right over to Easter Sunday and the resurrection. And then we miss so much. So much that is important for our faith. And so much that's important for us, especially now. Because the stuff between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday are real life. So what are those things? Well, one of them was the Last Supper. We have this painting of da Vinci, his depiction and rendering of the Last Supper. I love this painting for a lot of reasons. It's a a classic, really. I mean, anybody can see this picture and kind of know what's being spoken about. The last meal that Jesus shared with his beloved disciples. And, And a lot happened that night, didn't it? 
I mean, they not only for the first time instituted Holy Communion by giving bread and wine in those days, but a lot of conversation happened. Jesus said, one of you twelve is going to deny me. And one of these twelve, one of you twelve, is going to betray me. And they did. He said a lot of things that night. And he did a lot of things that were different that night. One thing he did was he washed the disciples' feet. Anybody ever been to a foot washing before? It can be a little disconcerting if you haven't been before. Take off your shoes and socks for somebody else to wash. That is the job of a servant, not the job of a king. Riding into town on Palm Sunday. The servant is the one who washes everybody's feet. But Jesus did it that night. And then, after the meal was over, the Passover was over, they went up to the Garden of Gethsemane, over on the Mount of Olives. And in that garden, Jesus prayed, the scriptures say, so hard and with such vigor that his sweat from his brow was like drops of blood. He was in turmoil, utter dark despair, because he knew what was coming up the next day. He knew that he was going to be beaten and flogged and hung on a cross to die for the whole world. That's turmoil. That's way more turmoil than I'll ever see in my life. No matter what happens. And Jesus prayed, Can you take it away, God? Can you prevent this from happening? Because I don't know... Well, I'm pretty sure I don't have the strength to do this. And he prayed hard. And then he says at the end, But God... Not my will, your will be done. Then more things happen in that garden. Soldiers come and Judas says it's him and betrays his Lord and Master. And Peter takes out a sword and hits one of the Roman soldiers and cuts off his ear with his sword. Violence, turmoil. They were coming after their master. They were going to take him away, and Peter reacted, a knee-jerk reaction, and he protected his Lord and Savior. And Jesus looked at him and said, put your sword away. And then he, by the way, healed the soldier. Then they took Jesus away. That was an awful night. It was awful for Jesus. It was awful for Peter. It was awful for Judas. It was awful for all 12 disciples. And it was awful for all of us Christians. Because what Jesus was about to face was what we all deserve because of our sin. You know, there's a lot of dilemmas going on in our theology and in our philosophy about why things happen. Why do young people die so young and full of life? Why do other elderly people get Alzheimer's and don't know their loved one for 
for years, if not decades, and still hang on to life. Why do we have this pandemic that we now call the coronavirus? All these questions and very few, if any, answers. In our online study guide this past week, one of the days, I asked the question, do you have any questions you want to ask God when you get to heaven? And I was really looking forward to those answers because I wanted to know what other people were thinking. It's been part of the joy of this online study group because I've been able to see what people are thinking and reading and writing about certain things we bring up in those topics every day. And that particular answer really was incredible to me because it brought up some of these questions that we have. And at least now, we don't seem to have very many, if any, answers. And we think that God does, and maybe when we get there, God will answer our questions. Why? Why now? Turmoil. Despair. Sounds a lot like Holy Week. Why did Jesus have to go through this? He didn't deserve it. He didn't do anything wrong. And I'm not saying that we get things as punishment. I think some things just happen, and they just happen because they happen. No rhyme or reason. and not Even everything is given to us by God. God doesn't give us bad things. But why? Some answers are unanswered, at least for now. And this whole week, from Palm Sunday... To Good Friday was a downward spiral. It went from great to good to bad to badder to worse and then to worser. In fact, it couldn't get any worse on Friday. This coming Friday, we won't be doing the crosswalk. I call it the crosswalk, but the walk of the cross in our community, which we've done for many years, even before I came, I believe, 18 years ago. And I think it was about maybe four or five years ago, I had a brand new video camera that we're being using today, and I took it along with us on the walk that day, so I took some video. And this, this Good Friday, I'm going to be showing that again through our YouTube channel, so we can all see that walk from whatever year that would have been, and kind of at least remember that day for the journey to the cross. And that's really what this week is about. We'll have time to celebrate Easter. But we can't, we cannot celebrate Easter if we don't first go with Jesus to the cross. And the problem is, Most of us don't want to go there. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's death. Most people do not feel comfortable, even Christians, talking about death. The fact of the matter is, I'm going to die. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't think I want to know how and when yet, but I'm going to die. And I have some bad news for you, right? 
because you're going to die too. Jesus died the worst death anybody could have ever died. Way worse than coronavirus. And he did it for you and for me. To take our place and hang on that cross in our stead. In our place. So that we might have something more that we didn't have before. Tune in next week for what that's all about. But in the meantime, I pray that you here and you streaming today or this week will take the journey of Holy Week right up to the cross. Would you pray with me? God, this week is so chock full of emotions. There is happiness and celebration, and there is also despair and death. God, we never know what one day is going to bring versus the next. Most days we used to get up and embrace the day with joy. And now we wake up and don't know what the day is going to bring. But you know, that's okay. Because we believe that you've got this. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be in despair. But we do have to deal with the stuff of life. Help us, God, this week. As each of us takes our own journey with Jesus to the cross. And we pray this all in his precious name. Amen.